You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. It is impossible to be both emotionally immature and spiritually mature at the same time. We want to be whole people, that's our desire, so that we can wholly love God and love people as God has called us to. And in the process of becoming whole, which is spiritual formation, God will take all of us to a wall in our lives that we cannot get through, we cannot get past without his supernatural help. For our part, we have to submit our lives to Jesus Christ. For our part, we come to him and say, God, have your way in us. As we were just singing, God, here I am again. Have your way in me. And I, through that, your spirit having your way in me will endure all the things that I'm going to encounter in this life by your spirit. And I want you, God, to do your work. Here's what James 1 says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. Last week we talked about coming to the wall. We talked about enduring. We talked about persevering. We talked about getting to those places and those spaces where there's absolutely nothing you can do in your own strength to get through whatever it is that you're going through. Only God can, but it takes perseverance to wait. It takes endurance to wait. And it's also painful. I believe God is doing something unique in our church right now. I sense it, I feel it, I hear it from the testimonies of those who have spoken to me or if I've invited that, that that you've replied to something maybe even on social media and I believe we are experiencing the grace of God in a unique way that I can't fully explain, I just know that God's at work. And I want God to have his way in us, church. I don't wanna fight him. I don't want to push him away. I want to invite him to do what God wants to do in us. After last week and talking about coming to the wall in our lives, you may wonder, well, how much lower can we go? It's like you're at that wedding and there, how low can you go? How much lower can we go, Pastor Brent? How much, we talked about pain, we talked about endurance, we talked about the wall. How much lower can we go? Oh, we we can go so much lower. And I believe that's where God wants to take us, to greater depths of humility and therefore where we will have greater usefulness in the hands of God because we are walking humbly with him. That's his desire, that we would let God have his way. That's my hope. The name of this message this morning is Tiny Little Deaths. I'd like to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 11. That's our text today. So if you have your Bible, you could turn there with me. I don't think there's any other scripture that I could come up with that better summarizes the idea of what we're going to talk about today in grieving loss and in grieving pain or going through these tiny little deaths that we go through in life and the need to trust God through all these little deaths that we experience in this life. Here's what Paul said to the church in 
Corinthians. But we had this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen us and bless your word as it has its way in our lives. See, the Apostle Paul is describing us as jars of clay. That's really what he's saying. He's like, this literally means clay pots. That's why I have this little clay pot up here this morning. Paul is describing us literally as earthenware. That's what we are. And, and the reason he's doing that is because he's saying that there is a fragility, there's a, an expendableness to our life, if you will, a, a relative worthlessness of our lives other than to be a vessel to carry something that is priceless. This is so easily broken, like our lives are so easily broken at times, and yet it's not about the earthenware, it's not about the outside, it's not about the, the, the flesh that we live in, it's about the light of Christ. That's what he says, it's this treasure that is in you, this treasure that I can't even explain, he's saying this inexhaustible treasure is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's what is in you, and Paul is being honest right now he's saying this is what we and the other ministers felt on our earthenware on our outside in our flesh that is fragile expendable easily broken this is what it's like he says we're afflicted we're perplexed we're persecuted we're struck down he's being honest about what's actually going on this is the reality he's saying but at the same time, he's affirming what is still true about the treasure of the gospel that is in this broken, fragile vessel. That what's most important is what's in here, not what's on the outside. He said, we're knocked down. That's what he says, we're struck down. We're knocked down, but we're not knocked out. Unlike that guy last night that got knocked out. I've seen it on social media and I don't watch boxing, but man, they just, it, was, it was the knockout punch in the first round. I mean, the guy's just frozen on the ground. And Paul's saying, listen, we're knocked down, but we're not knocked out. So reality, honesty, and now trust in a faithful father. Being honest with God is how you, about how you really feel is imperative to your spiritual growth. It is a spiritual disaster to live in unreality particularly when it comes to loss and death and grief. And yet that's exactly what most of us do. I don't know all the sociological reasons, but it seems we are programmed not to grieve, right? Have a stiff upper lip, toughen up a little bit, ignore it, move on. That's life. Somewhere along the way, again, not sure where the blame lies, but we come up with an approach to life and a mantra, mantra that sounds a little bit like this. Keep running or reality's going to catch up with you. And that's just futility. 
I mean, it's like the horror movie you go to, and it's like as soon as they run into the woods away from the person that's trying to get them in this scary movie, right, you know it's futile. At that point, it's like they're going to trip, they're going to fall, they're going to break their ankle, something stupid's going to happen, and and they're going to get caught. And that's how futile it is for us to run from the reality of what's going on in this life. And a lot of us will spend our whole lives running away from reality so hard, hard as we can, that we wonder why we're tired, we wonder why we're exhausted, We wonder why we're emotionally, physically, and spiritually worn out. Because the gospel teaches us that true spiritual life is not an escape from reality, but an absolute commitment to reality. I mean, I'm absolutely committed to the fact that I am a human being. And I hope you are too. And it's in that reality that I realize that I'm weak that I'm like this earthenware, as Paul describes me, that I'm easily broken, but it's not about what's on the outside, it's about what God has put into me. And Paul states this, he's saying, you're just like clay pots, that's what you are. We have limitations, we're fragile, and there's limitations in our life, and the limitations in our life are what's behind all the loss and the grief that we experience in this life. These are the facts of life. Reminds me of that old TV show that I watched as a kid. Y'all don't know that's because y'all aren't as old as me. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. The facts of life, whatever. Okay. But these are the facts that we respond to. And how do we respond to reality? And if you just skip down a few verses in this passage in 2 Corinthians, what you'll find is Paul is saying here, here's how you're going to deal with this. Here's a little bit of of how we deal with this. And he says this in, in verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away. Though this earthenware is wasting away. That's what he's saying. Our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light, watch this, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. We get so caught up with what is transient that we get broken by what's transient, forgetting that we have a life in Christ that is eternal. Notice again, even in these verses, Paul is admitting. He's not running from it. He's not denying it. He's admitting his limitations. They are suffering from. He and his colleagues, they're wasting away is what he says. They're suffering affliction. They're not seeing with their physical eyes the culmination of God's promises. That's what he says. Yet their faith remains strong even while their bodies are weak. In previous verses, I already mentioned Paul does the same thing when he says in that first part of this passage, we are hard-pressed. But then he says, but not crushed. Reality, perplexed, but truth, but not in despair. Reality, what are we? Struck down, but truth, not destroyed. This is over and over again how Paul was describing the life that we live in this earthen vessel And yet God is doing something inside of us so much deeper. Romans 4, 19, 21. I think about another passage in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, again, writing about faith 
This is what he's writing about. How are we going to get through this difficulty? How are we going to go to the grief and the loss and the death that we figure, that we fight through in this life? How are we going to deal with that? And he's saying it's going to be by trusting me, by putting your faith in me. And he gives this example of Abraham being confronted with his limitations. But instead of running from the limitations, instead of denying the limitations, he responds differently. Here's what I want us to understand, church. We're not running from our limitations. We're not denying our limitations. We're not saying, oh, that's not really there. I trust God. No, it is really there, and I still trust God. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. See, we respond to reality with honesty. We respond to reality with trust. We respond to reality with faith. And we can be assured that our painful realities in this life do not weaken the power of God to fulfill his promises in our life. Yeah, it's painful, but it's not weakening the power of God. We don't have to ignore. We don't have to run from the reality of pain or loss. We can actually embrace it. Embrace it because the word of God says what about our God? We sang about it. Who is like the Lord our God? Nobody. So how can we embrace grief? How can we embrace loss? How can we embrace pain? Because God is our strength in our weakness. He is the light in our darkness. He is our ever-present help in time of need. And there's a participle in all of those phrases and descriptions about God that says he is what? It is in these things that God becomes who he is. He wants us to know that it's in us, that it's in this earthenware, that he becomes who he is in our lives. It's in the darkness, not avoiding or ignoring the darkness, that he is the light. It's in our weakness, not denying our weakness, that he is our strength. It is in our trouble that he is our present help, not denying that we're in trouble. And although we serve a God of breakthroughs, the power of God is not always there to break through, but sometimes the power of God there is to break in. I'm going to say that again because this is very important for what God wants to teach us today. He's not always about breaking through immediately, but about breaking in. He wants to break into your grief. He wants to break into your loss. He wants to break into your limitations and take us into a deeper relationship with him as we embrace those things that are real in our life. He took them into the Red Sea. He took them into the fiery furnace. He took them into the lion's den. He took them into the grave. And he came out on the other side. And it's us going into those places that we're able to go into the rest that God is calling us to strive for. you got to go in if you want to come out. That's the reality for us today. And listen, I don't want to go in. I don't want to go in. Can I be honest? I don't want to go into that dark ground. No seed does. Sometimes our limits are a gift that we never break through because they're there to keep us humble. The very meaning of humility has its root in the Latin word hummus, meaning of the earth. My limits remind me that I am just 
from the earth. I'm earthenware. God created me from dust and back to dust I go. It's not about that outward shell. It's about what God has placed in me by his spirit. Yet sometimes, I will say this, sometimes there are other limitations that God sovereignly chooses to break through because he is not bound by our earthly limitations and he's doing something different. That is true. But regardless of whether he is breaking through or he is breaking in, faith does not close its eyes to reality. And at the very same time, faith is not limited by what we see or what we think is humanly possible. It's faith that accomplishes what God wants to do in us. In verse 17 of Romans, in that passage I just read, it says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. This is what he's talking to Abraham. In the presence of God, of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Sometimes we'll take this scripture, we'll say, I'm going to call into existence things do not exist. I don't do that. God does that. God is the one that calls dead things back to life. God is the one that calls things into existence that aren't. Just like children is what he was saying to Abraham. I'm going to call something that's not in existence, which is you having an inheritance through children, and I'm going to make it a reality. Because the reality right now is that you don't. But you need to trust in me, have faith in me, and I'm going to bring it to pass. So back to the tension of faith. Because it does not overlook the facts. It recognizes that what is dead is dead and knows that only God can give life where there is no life. Abraham believed what God said despite his physical limitations that he admitted. His hope was not in the indomitable human spirit that was going to rise against all odds and win the day. No, his deep inner confidence was that God was absolutely true to his word and was able to do for Abraham what Abraham could not do for himself. And it was about that, that God was doing this work, and that's what he's doing in us about him who is in us, not what is on the outside. It was what was going on inside of him, not what was going on around him. So what happens when God wants to go deeper and do a deeper work in us through our loss and our grief, no matter how much faith you have, loss, pain, and death are inevitable in this life. Jonathan Edwards once said, the story of Job is the story of us all. It's just that he lost in one day what many of us lose over our lifetimes. Until we have these, as I said, these tiny little deaths that go on throughout our lifetimes until eventually we all will die and come to a place where we leave everything else behind. We can't take it with us. These are the tiny little deaths that I'm talking about today as the earthenware, the clay pot, if you will, that we are in this life, that we experience. And as we go through these many deaths or losses over our lifetime, how we handle them determines whether we're gonna be crushed in our spirit and life or transformed into the image of Christ. It determines what Paul said, whether we're gonna be knocked down or knocked out. And if we're to be emotionally healthy spiritually, we can't run from reality pretending like everything is all good when it's not. We have to let God have those things that aren't good. Let's talk about the things that we lose in this life. Just so there's a little bit of reality for us today that we can surrender to God and let him do that deeper work. Let's talk about the little deaths that we die in this life. Because I want us to come to grips with the difficult realities so that we can release them to God and trust him and put our faith and hope in him. What do we lose? We lose our youthfulness. It happens to all of us. It's gonna happen to every single one of us, no matter what we do, no matter what we eat, no matter how many times I go to the gym, no matter what I put, it doesn't matter what I do. 
I'm not saying just, well, forget it then. That's not what I'm saying. But no matter what you do, you're going to get old. That's a loss. And one that's hard to deal with. We lose some of our dreams. It could be concerning a career, a a marriage, a job. It it could be all kinds of things. You're going to lose some of those dreams. Many of us are going to experience traumatic loss in our life. That could be a loss of death of a loved one. A family member dies. A child or a loved one maybe commits suicide. A spouse has an affair or leaves unexpectedly. We we get a terminal illness. We have a child with a severe disability. We have a loyal friend who betrays us. On and on and on. We're going to experience the death of loss in this life. On a positive yet still painful side, we will lose some wrong ideas of the church and God. You know what I mean? Maybe for some of you who grew up in the church and you grew up around things of the church and you realize maybe 10, 20, 30 years down the road that some of the things that you learned just weren't right. That's not really God. That's not really what the Bible says. And that's a loss. That's hard to deal with. Particularly like my age, whatever, I'm 52 years old and you go, wow, I can't believe I believe that. That's hard to deal with. And some people won't. Like, nope, it's got to be true. That's a loss. We also lose our illusions about the body of Christ. I didn't get an amen on that, but maybe all of y'all have had wonderful experiences in the body of Christ. But our spiritual family, the church, we realize everybody's not perfect. We realize that some people are going to hurt other people, or maybe we're those that hurt somebody, or we got hurt. Whatever it is, we're going to realize and we're going to lose this ideal of what everything's supposed to be like. But hey, did you hear about that new series on Netflix? Well, hey, did you hear about that new watch that that Apple just came out with? And that's kind of what we do, right? We talk about all these losses, and and in that moment, and maybe you're sitting there going, man, this is, that's true, and then, but we run. We just divert, and we, we think about something else, and we put our effort and our energy into other things. That's what culture is so good at doing. We run from reality by numbing the pain through diversions and addictions, and we don't even call them addictions. We just call them, you know, I'm binging a television show right now. I'm staying incessantly busy. I'm working all the time. I'm, I'm overeating. I'm overshopping. I'm overdrinking. I'm overmedicating. Anything and everything we can do to help us avoid and numb the pain because grieving loss and expressing our emotions or sadness or hurt or pain has become a problem that we want to avoid in this happy life. But the result of denying and running or minimizing the pain over many years results in a dry, empty Christian life that has denied the limitations of our earthenware humanity. We actually become less human and create a false self instead of becoming our true self and allowing God to have his way and his purpose even in the middle of our pain. Unhealthy Christian culture can even exacerbate the problem by reminding us, well, hey, you're supposed to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say it, rejoice or the joy of the Lord is your strength. Notice, however, that when you are reading these passages of scripture, they're not saying rejoice in your loss, rejoice in your pain, rejoice in your grief. They're saying rejoice in the Lord in the middle of those things. I can always rejoice in the Lord. He's done so many incredible things. Some of us need to actually cry and grieve over some losses that we've experienced or are experiencing right now, some deaths, some little deaths, maybe some large deaths that we've experienced and encountered in this life. And I'm not talking about those that do so without hope, right? First Thessalonians gives us a very clear picture that we don't grieve as those who have no hope. We grieve as those who have the treasure within us that is eternal. 
that no matter how broken the outside is, it does not affect the treasure that is on the inside. But maybe a good, ugly cry is what somebody needs this morning. You know, the kind of like where snot starts running down your nose and tears flowing out your eyes and you don't care what your hair looks like all of a sudden. Ecclesiastes 3 says, for everything there's a season, there's a time for every matter under heaven, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. That's what life is. This world and this life is a both-end experience, particularly as a believer that has the ultimate highs and it feels like the lowest of lows, but we're going to experience both joy and pain. And I fully understand that turning towards painful realities is counterintuitive and it's hard. I get it. Most of us, since we were children, have tried to figure out ways to cope with difficult things in life just so we could survive but we can't take that into adulthood and healthy emotionally spirituality. We can't take that there. We have to move from coping and codependency to cooperating with what the Spirit of God is doing inside of us. But I'm gonna caution you that turning towards your losses will make you feel like you're going to die. I've had some conversations recently. I felt some of these things in my own life recently. We're turning towards losses, just you, you're like, man, I just feel like, I, I feel like if I take any more, I'm gonna die. And here's where having a proper understanding of the gospel should encourage and help us. Because what Jesus has called each of us to do, if we're followers, disciples of Jesus Christ, is a way to life in and through death. Said the scripture last week, I'll say it again, Luke 9, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. The pathway to life is in and through death. The pathway to resurrection for Jesus was in and through the crucifixion. And I know it's easier to teach it than it is to do it. I know that. But it's time that we let down our defenses and allow God to have his way in us. Our pasts, our emotions, our weaknesses, our failures, we must go wherever he leads us, not defend ourselves from his good work in us. Here's what you're gonna to need to know. When you get to that place, there's going to be a confrontation. There's always a confrontation when the gospel confronts in our lives what isn't like Christ, hence the confrontation of the gospel. In his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Pete Scazzaro mentions some of the defense mechanisms we use to fight against these things that are going on. That we started using as children and we often master, we take into adulthood to avoid God's purpose for difficulty and pain and loss in our life. They're helpful and maybe even necessary as children trying to, to deal with cruel or painful surroundings that maybe we grew up in, but they don't work well as adults who are trying to mature as believers in Christ. See if any of these sound familiar to you currently. Denial, minimizing, blaming others, blaming yourself, rationalizing, intellectualizing, distracting, or becoming hostile. He also goes on to give these different phases of biblical grieving. And if you're in any of these places right now, I want you to know that you're in a safe place here and with God in his loving presence. But they're imperative to your ability to honestly follow Jesus any further. We spent some time talking about being emotionally aware of what's going on so that you can give it to God. That's one of these phases, just being aware of what God's doing. That when, you come, when it comes to grief and loss, what I'm bringing to God is what's in me, not what ought to be in me. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, well, I ought to feel this way. 
I should feel this way. If God, if I really trusted God, I should feel this way. But that's not how you feel right now. So bring to God what you actually are feeling, not what you ought to feel. And let God do that work in your life. Remember, Scripture tells us it is the truth that sets you free, not faking it. Being truthful to Jesus, who is the truth, the way, and the life, and the only way to be exonerated from the falsities of the lies that try to keep us bound. Last week, we talked about waiting at the wall. And when we're caught between the now and the not yet, the now being a new creation in Christ, that God has put his spirit inside this earthenware, I'm caught in that now, but the not yet is that I'm still in this earthenware. I'm still here with you guys. You're still here with me. We're still here in the brokenness of this world, so we're dealing with the not yet. That is a loss. That is something to grieve. That this is not perfect right now. I'm still in this body of flesh. It's a phase, phase of biblical grieving, waiting in the in-between of the now and the not yet. The now of what Christ has done and the not yet of what he's going to do. This is where Job was. And it was confusing for Job to be in the now and the not yet. And there were no answers for him, except from friends who had all the wonderful intentions of the world, but they didn't know what God was doing. And we don't know long, how long, like we said last week, we don't know how long we're going to have to wait at this wall of suffering or difficulty or how we go into these places where we're grieving loss and pain. We just know that God is doing something where he's getting out of us what doesn't need to be in here, which is messing up the soil of our life, and he's putting into us what does need to be in here so what grows out of here is beautiful and priceless. You know, I think about this, this empty clay pot if you will and that's if you think about it, this this outside isn't what makes this thing valuable this is not valuable at all this is cheap you can get this anywhere for not a whole lot of money but if I were to put an orchid in here and you were to go buy it for your spouse it's going to cost a whole lot more than just this by itself isn't that what Paul is saying it's what's inside of us that God is doing something inside of us and he's gonna use you with your limits although he is not bound by your limits. I wanna focus on one and then I'll close. Just one more phase of biblical grieving. I've already mentioned that it's a gift to us that we have limits, but let's talk about limitations. We've all been given the gift of limits, amen? If you don't have the gift of limits, you say, oh, I live a life of no limits. Problem. All right, that sounds great on an energy drink. It sounds wonderful on a t-shirt. It's not real life. You and I are this. We have limits. If I drop this, it will break. That's a limit. You drop me, I will break. That's the reality. Again, culture looks at limits as constraints to be broken through and it markets a no limits mentality. Whereas God looks at limits as something to remind us that we are not God and he is and that's what we need to remind ourselves today. Then we need to embrace and grieve those limits as human beings that we all have. Like for example, your physical body is a limit. Oh no, it's a weapon. No, it's not. You're dying. You're one day closer to death today than you were yesterday. Man, this pastor is so encouraging. It's just the truth. You're going to get older. You're going to leave this world, and you're going to have some unfinished goals and dreams. Your family of origin is a weakness. Culture, ethnicity, country of birth, the makeup of your family all play a role in creating certain limits that you have. Your marital status, being married, not being married, having kids, not having kids, all of these things cause limitations. 
Your intellectual capacity creates limits. Your wealth or lack thereof creates limits. It doesn't matter if you are Elon Musk or you're just Musk. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Your time is limited. Each day, each week throughout your life, it's limited. Our relationships give us limits because all of them, none of them are perfect on this side of heaven. Even our comprehension of spiritual things in God's word gives us limits. We're finite people trying to understand an infinite God. And when we embrace our limits, when we grieve, even mourn our limits, when necessary, it allows us to become closer to the one that we need to depend on more and more. Limits tell me the world's going to go on and survive without me. But it reminds me that I cannot survive this world without God. Embracing my limitations causes me to experience a greater desperation for God. I am desperate for you, God. I cannot break through this. Personally, for me, Years ago, as I've shared, depression was a limit for me, and it said, you can't go on like this. It was a gift from God to me so that I could heal, to help me mourn my limitations, to understand that I couldn't just figure it all out on my own, but also to accept that I have limitations and accept that God is able to work through me despite my limitations. Yeah, that's worth applauding the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, limitations humble us, and humility embraces limitations. When we walk in a manner that's honest before God, properly dealing with loss, pain, sadness, anger, grief, we're going to enter into a deeper relationship with God where we trust him more and more. That's the purpose for the pain. As a matter of fact, the central message of Christ is that suffering and death bring about resurrection and transformation. We just have to be willing to go down the road of the cross. We have to be willing to go in to the ground so that we could come out something new. But it's when we're willing to go to the cross that we allow God to root out all the things in us that are not like him. This is where the confrontation takes place, as I mentioned a moment ago, right? We will be confronted at the cross because it's at the cross, that's the point that our unlikeness to the image of Christ comes up to who he really is. And we have to die to that unlikeness in ourselves in order to be raised by God into the wholeness of life in the image of Christ. So being formed into the image of Christ takes place at the points of our unlikeness to him. That's why it's a confrontation. This is the place where the old, this is the final stage, if you will, of kind of grief and loss. The, 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 the place where old gives birth to new. Something that was buried and gone and unseen sprouts out and gives birth to new. The final phase of this grief that we're talking about embracing, the loss, if you will. This is the place where the resurrection occurs in our lives. As John 12 says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And for those of you who have died to yourself and gain life in Jesus Christ through salvation, this is what I want you to understand. You're going to go through little deaths the rest of your life. And God wants new life to spring out of those deaths. Maybe the prayer that we're praying today is, Father, forgive me for fighting the deaths you send into my life in order to plant something new in my life. Don't spin or cover up your losses. 
Deal honestly and prayerfully with your losses and disappointments and all the emotions that come with it. Jesus can handle it. Jesus himself wept over his friend Lazarus. He wept over Jerusalem, said, and that word wept there really means wailing and sobbing. What are you feeling this morning? What is the loss or the pain? What is it that you feel like you're going to do or that you're going through that's like you're dying? That's how you feel. Don't ignore that. What is the reality that you're facing? Take that reality to Jesus. Don't run from the reality, but run in to Jesus with that reality and let him heal you let him change you listen he may not break through that thing but he may take you into it and I assure you this see oftentimes we're always looking for the breakthrough of this side of heaven but see, that's not what really Paul is promising. He's promising, listen, no matter if this is broken and you never see this come up on this side, that's what we talked about last week, that you don't see it on this side. On the other side of this life is an eternity with the immeasurable, inexhaustible, uh, uh, priceless treasure of Christ forever. That's the hope of glory that we talk about. Hebrews says, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. It's okay to cry out to God. It's okay to shed tears. Jesus himself did this. To him, who did he offer it to? To God. To him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what? What he suffered. For those of you who are sons and daughters of God, God is doing a deeper work in you through your loss and your pain. But remember, resurrection only comes out of death. Real death. It's a reality. And our losses and our pain are real, but so is God, and he is the living God. The one who brings life out of death. So let him bring resurrection, let him bring transformation out of your pain, out of your loss today. As we grieve what needs to be grieved, we'll receive what God wants us to receive. His love, his power, his purpose for our new lives that come out of death in this life. See, that's the amazing thing I want to encourage you today. No matter how many tiny little deaths you go through in this life, God is able to bring life out of those deaths. That's what the God of the resurrection does. So wherever you are today, I want to encourage you to be open and honest with God. Then trust him and put your faith in him because he's not bound by our limitations. He's not even bound by what we see. But he is a God that's faithful. And maybe today is something where you're just, you know what, there's, there's tears that are going to be shed about some things that you've lost. And you just decided you were going to run from it and walk away from it. Don't do that. Let God heal you today. Let God take you deeper in so he can do that deeper work inside of you this morning. Let's pray. You have been listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We hope God met you right where you're at today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you're listening from and visit infocuschurch.org for more on all that's going on in the life of our church.